0: Welcome to Changing Your Dreams, Parenting a Child with Special Needs, a podcast where we shine a light on the unique grief of special needs parents that few people recognize and no one really talks about. I'm your host, Lara Kitts. How do we live a beautiful life with chronic stress and grief? How do we nurture ourselves while we nurture our children? How do we make ourselves a priority when they need so much? My guests and I will discuss this chronic, ever-renewing grief, transforming your dreams, and how to take care of yourself along the way when parenting a differently-abled child. This episode is sponsored by Flight Club. Join a circle of friends who understand you and your life as a special needs parent. Combine that with monthly guest experts, live self-care accountability sessions with me, and easy, actionable assignments to help you emerge from the hard work, transformed, just as the butterfly from her chrysalis, and you've got Flight Club. Today, I have the pleasure of talking with author Adele Spinlove. Adele lives in Portsmouth, UK, with her partner and their two children. Her eldest son has a rare neurodevelopmental syndrome called ADNP, and her youngest son is neurotypical, which makes him a super sibling. When she's not writing, Adele enjoys swimming in the sea, dancing in the kitchen, and of course, reading lots and lots of books to her boys. Freddie and the High Flying Kick is her first book for children, and she hopes you enjoy reading it as much as she enjoyed writing it. Let's get to it. Hello, Adele. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited to talk with you because I've been in your peripheral for about a year, but I don't know a whole lot about you. So I'm excited to learn um, and to know more about your book because you have written a book that got just published in 2021 and released, right? And I kind of have this secret hidden goal of writing a book someday. So oh, I'm really I- interested in learning more about <laughs> your, your journey. So, ah, thank, so you. thank I, you, thank you for having me here today. This is this is lovely. And uh, you're welcome. I'm um, again. I'm so grateful. And you're joining us from the UK, correct? That's
1: right? Yeah, Portsmouth, so south of England.
0: Okay. Okay. Awesome. Thank you for the for the geography. A bit of geography. <laughs> Appreciate that very much. Um, <laughs> So tell us why you're here. Tell us about your kiddos and your parenting uh, journey so far.
1: Yeah. So um, I've got two children, two boys. Um, my eldest has a rare neurodevelopmental syndrome called ADNP. Um, so we, we didn't know that when we got pregnant. Um, we didn't know it when he was born. Um, but I did know very very early on um, that something wasn't quite right. It sounds awful. I hate it when people say it's not quite right. Um, But it didn't. Something felt amiss. Something felt different. Mm -hmm. Um, I couldn't put my finger on it, Um, but I kept overthinking and worrying. And you know, I had a newborn, and I didn't want to come across like a neurotic first time. Mum, but I had a lot of concerns. Um, so I went to my son's six week check and I had a list of all the things that I was worried about with my child. Um, and I got dismissed by the GP. Um, you know, I got told, oh, yeah, no, that's nothing to worry about. That's nothing to worry about. And my main thing at that point was that I was worried that he couldn't see. Um, you know, I kept saying, oh, you know, he's not smiling, but. I think it's because he can't focus on me, or um he seems really startled by lights and noises and, and the world, but maybe it's because he can't see. Um so everything kept coming back to the eyes. And um I I just got dismissed at the six-week check, which thinking back at it now is just unbelievable. Yeah. Um it's so infuriating. It's I and mean, it's infuriating, it is, but also, you know, you're so tired. <laughs> you know, <laughs> A new parent, so so you kind of feel like you're losing your mind a little bit. So I'm like, I know in my heart that something isn't right here, but I'm being told by a professional, a medical professional, that there's nothing to worry about. Right. But thankfully, the people around me, the people in my circle, um, were really good. They just listened to me talk again and again and again. I was like, something is right. I don't know what it is. It doesn't feel right. Um, and we then got a really good health visitor who was coming to the house and helping. Um, and she actually helped me get a pediatrician appointment. Um, and it was kind of around the six month mark that, that people started to really pay attention to what I was saying. Um, you know, we couldn't tick things off the, the milestone, um, you know, paperwork. We couldn't tick it off. Um, and, so it was it was difficult but people were listening and then we started testing and um he got diagnosed with this rare syndrome when he was two mm. um, and up until that point obviously we thought it could be many things uh, the ADMP mainly presents itself in my son as a global developmental delay um so he wasn't hitting any milestone at all um and actually getting a diagnosis at two seems quite young, really. I know there's a lot of people out there with these rare syndromes and they're still undiagnosed. Right. Um, so we were, we were really thankful at two to get it. it. To be honest, it didn't really change much for us. Um, it did make things easier with paperwork. But all in all, it didn't really change things. You know, we, by two, we already thankfully had speech and language help and um physiotherapy you know all the things that we needed it was just that extra bit that we could say oh you know what conditions does your child have oh he has ADMP so that conversation was a little bit easier right um but for so, you yeah, it, didn't,
0: it wasn't uh the ability to unlock any new services though you were already really hooked into the we yeah, needed which is been, very fortunate
1: yeah we've been really really lucky um I think because he's global developmental delay was significant. Um, We thankfully got early intervention help. Um, And so, yeah, those first few years were were basically just constant appointments, constant talking to people, um, telling the medical professionals what ADMP was. You know, it's very weird to sit in a room with someone and say, this is my son's condition and know more about it than the people in the white coat. Um, Right. But, but but we have had uh, a lot of support, and we have been able to access the services. So, we're very very thankful for that. Um, I want
0: to I want to pause there if we can, yeah. and I I just want to unpack a little bit of what you said because there's some such so many good things here. So the first thing um, that really struck me is for parents to trust their intuition, to trust Mm -hmm. their gut, to trust that parental knowing about your child and to remember always that you are the expert on your child, even when they're five weeks old, six, seven, eight weeks old. um, And you feel like you have no idea what you're doing (laughs) because it's Mm -hmm. your first child. Um, And my oldest uh, is impaired as well. So I know that feeling of Mm -hmm. just, I have no idea what I'm doing. How am I supposed to be able to tell you something, but, but you know, your child, you have this, this energetic bond that no one else in the entire world has with that human being. Mm -hmm. And so trusting your gut feeling and your intuition is so important.
1: Yes. I I completely agree and I think one of the things that scares a lot of people is not having the right vocabulary you know I now I now have words in my head that I you know I should never have had to know right um, unless I was a doctor myself but um I think just having that confidence to say something something isn't right here I don't know what it is but I feel it And, and that's and that's a really really difficult thing I think for people to do because you are saying it doesn't Feel right mm-hmm. and then they come over with their little tapping sticks and they, right. and they go oh <laughs> it's all fine <laughs> I like, know yes. um, so, yeah it, it, it's just and pushing I think you know we I, I have been very lucky that I've had a lot of people that have listened to me talk and talk and talk again about it but um if you're not listening to the first time to just keep going back right so if, and, and that now was- check up on you
0: Yeah. You just used the word confidence, the confidence to keep talking. That's huge because when you just this, you know, this, I'm just a new mom who has no idea what she's doing, um, are staring at a medical professional who went through years and years and years of training and school Mm -hmm. and education and practicums and all these things. Um, it's very intimidating. It's very intimidating. Mm -hmm. And so have, you have to have the confidence To be strong in, in your knowing and your beliefs and, um, being able to continue to, to tell it to someone who will, until someone will listen, like you said, the other piece that I want to pull out that you talked about, and you didn't specifically say it, but what it screamed at me was you had community. You had community already, which is quite rare sometimes, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, in that you said my doctor didn't listen, but I had enough people around me who 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 heard me and listened as I kept telling this over and over. And so therefore, then I got what I needed. Yeah. Um, I got into a different doctor. And um, and can you talk a little bit about that? Because who, who who did you have around you already?
1: Yeah, I think I mean the main the main people to start with were my partner and my mom. Um, you know, they were the people that literally sat there for hours and hours and hours on end as I just I talked in circles for it it felt like forever. I mean looking back it was definitely that first six months to a year. I just kept saying the same thing over and over again. I kept saying, well if he can't see me then of course he's not smiling. And if he can't see me then of course he's not reaching for his choice. He's actually got nothing wrong with his eyes, you know, after all of this, but but it just it I had to latch on to something um, and so they used to just sit and and listen to me and I think things would have been a lot more stressful and, and difficult if either one of those people had said to me ah, I think you know I think it's fine you know both of them just sat and listened mm. um, and that in turn gave me the confidence to then talk to my health visitor And that then gave me the confidence to talk to the breastfeeding expert because Mm. I couldn't get my son to latch. And of course I couldn't, he was developmentally delayed and he had very weak mouth. All of it makes sense now, but at the time I did everything. I did the whole burger grip and I had the whole crocheted breast, you know, to help me, all of these things that I was doing. But without that initial help from family, I don't think I would have been so confident to say to those other people, no, it's almost like a rehearsal. I practiced what I wanted to say with the people that I trusted the most. Mm -hmm. Then I went to the professionals and then I said, right, now that I've figured that out in my head, this is what I'm going to say. And And I I think I'm sorry to interrupt, but
0: I I love that you said the people around you because I have a lot of. Listeners who don't have a child with special needs, that they listen um, just to expand their horizons and to learn how they can be a better ally and advocate, mm-hmm. and that is the biggest thing, right? They just your 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 partner and your mom, they just listened. Yeah, they held space for you, and they just they didn't try to fix it. And yeah. i trying to tell you what you should do or that you're, that he'll be fine or just relax or any of these very unhelpful things that people <laughs> try to say, oh, because the bottom line, yeah. the bottom line is people say those things to make themselves feel better.
1: Yeah.
0: Because they're uncomfortable, because they don't know what to do, and they love you, and they want to help you feel better in some way. And so they try in some way to, to quote unquote, fix it in any way that they can. And it's just really unhelpful. Mm -hmm. And what you really need is just to have the space with someone who will just Listen, so that you can, like you said, you talked in circles and circles. But you're not the first mom that I've talked to who says a similar thing. Like you just needed the space to ramble it out of your of your head, because it just in your head you got it. It's different when it comes out in real life in words. Right? Yes. You can um, get somewhere sometimes, even if you're going in circles for a long time. It gives you at least the confidence to talk to somebody else who maybe knows something. And I love hearing that you said his eyes are actually fine. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But that's beautiful because the thing is, is, is unless you are a medical professional or a parent with special needs, which is also a medical professional, in my
1: opinion. Very true. Very true.
0: We know, like you said in the beginning, way more than we need to know. We know so many big words that no regular person should have to know, right? (laughs) Um, And unless you've had that experience, how would you know about some sort of rare genetic disease, neurological disorder, you know? Um, So you, of course you wouldn't know about developmental delays and weak muscle tone in the mouth is why he can't latch and suction and all these kinds of things. Of course you wouldn't know that, but you knew something was wrong and you found a way to say, well, if it's his eyes, then that could lead to this and this and this and this. So something isn't right because there's all these things and, and, you know, you can figure out as a regular person, maybe he can't see, and that could lead to it all. I love that. It's beautiful. Good for you
1: thank
0: you so he's five now tell us a little bit about how he's doing now yeah
1: he's um he's at a really nice stage now um he goes to a special needs school which has just been amazing for both of us it's given me the confidence to let go a little bit um which i find really hard to do um and it's given him the confidence to to try things more um I'm, I'm definitely a very hands-on parent, <laughs> but, you know, which sounds lovely. <laughs> but I think for my son, sometimes he just wants me to just back off a little bit, let him explore. So school's been really good for both of us. Um, he's now talking and he's now walking. It's amazing. Happened, yeah, it's happened within the last year. So um, I used to dream about his voice. Oh. Things about what he would sound like um, and now he's talking it's incredible his voice is a lot lower than I imagined it to be and it, it's quite gravelly it's <laughs> fantastic um, yeah it, but it's just it's just incredible so um, I feel like we're at a good stage and now that we're at that stage um, and we're having an opportunity to just kind of breathe and relax a bit um, a lot of feelings are coming up. Mm. Um, it's almost like now we've got to that point where we can go, ah, oh, we can relax a bit. You know, he's five. Um, now all, all those early memories are coming up again. So mm. I spend, again, I spend a lot of time remembering the past and how difficult it was. And it feels like now we're just having a chance to catch our breath. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of that was also writing the book now. I, there's no way I could have done anything like this a few years ago because I was so fully consumed with worry and anxiety yes. around his development. Um, but the fact that he is up and he can, with difficulty, that he can walk a bit and he is talking and it's not always coherent, but he is talking. So I can kind of imagine the future more now. I can imagine him maybe having a bus pass Or I can imagine him asking for help if he needs to. Just, just those little things have really opened up the future, Um, and that's kind of given us the chance to kind of go, whoa, okay, time to relax a bit, and oh. And so then, like you
0: said, all the the emotions come up when you relax, and so you, for the kind of for the first time, have the space to process a
1: lot of it. Exactly, exactly. I think we've been running off adrenaline for many many years yes Um, and so now it's that chance to kind of go right okay let's let's talk and reflect and and try to um process everything Mm -hmm.
0: it's a lot it's a lot but then in the midst of this you also have a two-year-old and so you're like oh i could relax and write a book (laughs) because i also had a newborn and and who's now two
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was, um, it was quite, a, an easy decision to have another child. We, we were offered testing for our second baby. Um, and we chose not to get him tested. And our thinking was even though, um, Rowan has this rare syndrome, I mean, the chances of having two with it would be, I mean, so tiny, so minuscule. Um, but we knew that we could handle it. Obviously it's not easy, but we just knew that if there was another one like Rowan, then we'd get another one like Rowan. Um thankfully we do have a typical child now. We've got a neurotypical two year old. And um he's actually been a form of therapy for us. Yes. Um, watching watching him develop in a very typical way, even though you know two year olds are hard work. Um, you know, they're so they're so full on. But it's so typical and it's what everybody else is going through that we love it we mm. absolutely love it and it and it just takes us back to all of the experiences we had with rowan and it and it gives us a chance to just um, not correct it in our brains but just gives us a chance to put a little bit of like farm on it like just mm. to soften those those difficult memories um so we're just kind of going through it all again and just polishing it all up a little bit as we go and we're going right okay yeah so first time doing this um, a lot of outings with Rowan used to be really difficult he used to struggle with sunshine and any kind of bumps in the road so we used to lift his buggy over any tiny little bump constantly lifting him and I remember the first time going out with Theo and I just you know pushed him down the curb and he didn't make a peep <laughs> he was just you know quite happy <laughs> he's over the all bucket. the cracks
0: in the sidewalk
1: <laughs> no big deal, buzzed, buzzed. Um, and that was just like oh it, in comparison he's so easy even his two-year-old temper tantrums in comparison it, it's a piece of cake so I think I think we needed Theo I think we needed to have that experience um mm-hmm. just just to kind of help our brains a little bit and our hearts really. Yes. Yes. I agree. Full,
0: fully siblings are just some of the most special people put on this planet,
1: Definitely.
0: Um, which really leads me to your book because you have a whole thing about siblings yes. in your book. So t- tell us about your book. It's called Freddie and the high flying kick. Yeah, so, so
1: um my, what I wanted to do with Freddie and High Fine Kit was I wanted to write a book that um, taught the readers um in an interesting way how to include someone that's different from themselves. So Freddie in the book he uses a walking frame, which is exactly what my son used to have um, a few years ago, he had a little blue walking frame, and um you know, obviously, because of that, people assume that Freddie can't play football, whereas actually if somebody gets the ball for him and just balances his hand a little bit, he can join in with the game. So I wanted to kind of show that if you just ask or adapt, um, you know, whatever it is that you want to do, there's always a way to include people. But you have to ask. You have to, first of all, not assume, then ask and then adapt. So that's kind of what I wanted to do with the book, but I also wanted to honour the sibling relationship. Um, So obviously, as you know, in the Fenn community, we often call them super siblings, because these typical siblings, they often care for their brother or their sister, they're often more empathetic, more mature, um, often way beyond their years by having a disabled brother or sister. Um, and I wanted to, I wanted to honour that. I wanted, um, I wanted the Rowans in the world to realise that they're special. But I also wanted the Theos to to realise that they're special. Mm. That having a sibling with a disability it does actually give them superpowers. It makes them more aware of difference and inclusion. And because it happens to them as they grow up they almost don't realise it, it's almost not treasured because it's just seen as a, oh, well, that's just life. I just know that I have to help my sibling or share my toys or maybe we have to leave this, you know, amusement park early because my sibling is having a difficult time. That becomes second nature to them. Um, and I really wanted to honour that. I really wanted to to find a way to say that, you know, that's a really incredible relationship, and it is a superpower. So, I created this gang of super siblings who are the super siblings gang. And what they do is they basically go around and help their disabled brothers and sisters. And they also help the people around them. So, in this first book, Freddie and the High Flying Kick, the gang come to the school and show the other children in the playground how to adapt the game so that Freddie can be included. Um, so it's quite, it's quite a simple message. Um, but I often find the simple messages are often the right ones, you know, <laughs> let's not overthink it, overcomplicate right. it. Just, if you're not sure what to do, ask, Just, just ask. ask Ask for help, ask Freddie if he wants to play the game, ask him how he can join in. Um, that's so, I mean, ah, oh, Adele, oh my gosh, so much
0: here <laughs> that I just want to talk about. Um, Such a simple message, but one that is so lost in our society in that people are so fearful of those who are different than them, no matter what the difference is, be it skin color, culture, religion, disabilities, people are fearful of, of, of those who are different, which is just so sad and such a missed opportunity in life. Um, and so your message in your book of, you know, just ask. There are simple ways to just adapt. And then boom, look, Freddie can play soccer right alongside all the other kids. Mm-hmm. It's not a big deal, everybody. Um, that's just a, a message that everyone needs
1: to hear <laughs> for agree. all the reasons. I agree. And I think I think what often happens because I mean I've experienced this firsthand with um, with Roland is that children want to ask questions and the parents get embarrassed. Yes. So I've had parents you know move their children along or tell them to be quiet or you know that's rude, don't stare. Right. Whereas actually it's okay you know I mean like my, my son is loud, he's really really loud. <laughs> So people look, they look yes. all the time. That's what yeah. that that doesn't bother me. What then bothers me is if the child's then pulled along, and told not to stare. I'd rather their parents says to them, Oh, say hello to the Instead boy. say hello. Yes. Say, hi, say hi. Say hi. Or you know, if they say why is he screaming, maybe it's okay for the parents to say, I don't know. Maybe he's maybe he's tired, maybe he's angry, maybe he's happy. It could be any one of those things, you <laughs> know. But it's that putting your hand up and going, oh, I'm not sure, or let's go and ask the mum. Let's go and ask some questions. Um, and I think the good thing about books is that you can do those questions in a safe place. Right. So the you know the parents or the caregivers they can sit with the children. They can talk about people that use walking frames in a really safe place where really it's the adults who get embarrassed. So the adults <laughs> won't be embarrassed. The children can talk about it freely and then maybe the next time they're out if they see a child with a walking frame, they'll go, oh, it's like, you know, it's like Freddie from the book. Maybe that kid over there in the walking frame likes football or maybe they like something else. So it, it just, that's why we need more of these books because it's, we need to normalise it. We need to take away that kind of embarrassment factor and we need to normalise difference and we need to normalise asking questions and we need to normalise Um, putting your hand up if you don't know what to do you know I'm sorry I don't know what to do help me that's it it's it's so simple but it's also so lost as you said
0: just be a community yeah just just be a human being just know that we're all connected (laughs) we're all connected um you know through energy and through love and let that just be and let that just yeah. be okay. And, and, yeah. you know, let that connection live and flourish by, you know, by asking, by offering, um, you know, can I help you if, you know, if your kid is screaming meltdown in public, and clearly the mom is super stressed out about it. Yeah, what can I do to help you. Yeah, exactly. that goes a long way. Another <laughs> definitely, um, definitely. thing that I just Oh, love so much. I want to squeeze it to death about your book <laughs> is the super sibling gang goes to the school and teaches the other kids because there's so much beauty in that because it's, it's so often either just not done mm-hmm. or, um, done very awkwardly maybe by administration or school staff who don't really get it fully maybe um or often it's put on the parents to really intervene and be super involved in all the things um but for your book to pull in the siblings is just so beautiful because like you said Oh, the superpowers that these kids have is just yeah. extraordinary. And they don't realize it. They have no idea how special they are most of the time mm. until they're older. And we've told them a hundred thousand times, maybe they start believing it, Yeah, um, hopefully. <laughs> but for them to be, you know, kind of pulled in, in this kind of special leadership way of, you know, just explaining their siblings um, is so powerful and so beautiful. Um, the school that my kids go to my, the elementary school that, that my two youngest go to who are typically developing happened to be unbeknownst to me until my first one started there happened to be sister schools to my oldest special education school. Amazing. I had no idea that there was, there was even a thing. Um, because it wasn't really fostered a lot until my middle child started going to, uh, to elementary school. And they found out about uh, my oldest and they latched onto me really quickly within the first couple <laughs> of weeks of school. Oh, I hear you have a daughter that goes to Lincoln school. Oh my goodness, did you know we're sister schools and we, we wanna have this thing? And can you help us figure out how to make it better? Because it's oh, kind of not working mind. this relationship that we've been trying to, to foster. And so, um, and so we, I helped them tweak and develop this program where the fourth grade, one particular teacher was super passionate about it in the fourth grade. And so the fourth grade would, would buddy with kids from the special ed school. Um, And so they'd have these one-on-one or sometimes two typical kids to one special needs kid, just because there were more more in the typical fourth grade class than there were in the, you know, the special ed school, because their classes are really small, really, you know, five kids in a classroom, that sort of thing. Um, But they would, they would pair up and get together about four times a year back and forth to each other's schools and do special things together. And so when Paige, my middle child, when she got to be in the fourth grade, um, I wasn't sure whether or not I should arrange it so that she is a buddy with Taylor, like Taylor's buddy, or if I should have her not have to be with her sister, but if I should have her, you know, be a buddy to another kid, because that other kid would be so lucky to have her for a buddy, right? Because she gets it on a whole nother level than any other fourth grader ever could. And so I really, um, sat with that for a long time and, and I realized um, that summer, right before school started, she Paige kind of went through a really hard time in relationship to her sister, and not for her sister in and of herself, because she is Taylor's number one fan yeah. since the day she was born. Followed yeah. her around as a baby, like everything, like adores Taylor to this day, as 16 years later. But the problem was she was really struggling that her friends didn't understand her life. Yeah. She felt really alone. And even though she had really great friends, she felt really alone because they had no idea what she went through at home and what her life was like. And so I I sorted through all that and I talked to her a lot and I realized that she could be a really wonderful buddy to another kid, but what she really needed was for her her own friends to understand her life. Yes. And so, um, so I arranged it so that she could be a buddy with Taylor because through the program, the teacher had them do all kinds of writing and special things that were posted on the bulletin board, all these things uh, about their buddy, their special needs buddy um, to kind of teach the world. Right. And so oh that God. allowed Paige and outlet to to teach the world about her sister. And Mm -hmm. it was really, really beautiful. And so I just love so much that you have this special siblings gang in your book who is teaching the world about their siblings in this way through other kids. Because if you teach kids, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what changes the world, right? That's what shifts the whole generational perspective and reduces that fear that people have and they can hopefully rub off on their parents and teach it at home. and
1: that's what Yeah definitely and I think as you say it's it it is very difficult for the typically developing child to have a sibling disabled and and they they need that acknowledgement they need they need not just praise and thanks and well done for helping your brother or your sister but it's that it's that, as you say, it's that awareness. And when you're that age, really, it's your friends. It doesn't matter how many adults say to you, well done, or I get it, or thank you, or you know, you want acknowledgement and you want acceptance from your peers. Um, so that's incredible what you did for the schools because that, that must have just helped her immensely. Um, and that level of acceptance for her sibling as well is just incredible. It's a beautiful, beautiful
0: program. And um, funny, my youngest is now in sixth grade. So when she was in fourth grade, um, had that same teacher, also had a buddy and everything. Yeah. Taylor was too old by then to be her buddy because they just try to yeah. not not pair the fourth graders with kids who are too old because that's a little yeah. overwhelming, <laughs> like being paired up with an adult when you're 10, that's a little too much. Um, so, so they try to, you know, we keep them younger. Um, yeah. But, but then COVID hit. And so we can't, they can't run the program <clears throat> you know I mean? for the last yeah. two years. And yeah. so my youngest, just a few weeks ago, out of nowhere, brought that up and said how sad she was to know that they weren't having that program right now because of COVID. Yeah. And that was so touching. And see, that's just another, like, that's a sibling.
1: That's yeah. like, they that think of that. Yeah. 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 That awareness it is it's, it's that empathy for others which everybody kind of needs to be taught really it doesn't it doesn't come naturally to so many people um but as soon as you have a sibling within your family that needs that extra help you just intuitively do it and yeah it i mean situation. it's taught but we we don't realize we're
0: teaching it it's just life like it it's is, just yeah. but they're but they learn it because of their lifestyle yeah, definitely. definitely. I never thought of it that way. That's, that's beautiful. Well, Adele, tell people how they can find your book,
1: how they can follow you. Um, yeah. what, what do So you- I'm, on, I'm on Facebook with the book. Um, so you can just uh, look for Fred in the High Line And then on that Facebook page is where I put all of the most up-to-date information about the book or what I'm doing or if I do any interviews, this kind of thing. Um, and to buy it, it's available worldwide through Amazon.
0: Yay. Yay.
1: <laughs> yes,
0: it is on Amazon. I know that. Um, and then, so so your Facebook page is Freddie and the High Flying Kick. It is, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much for this beautiful conversation. It was a joy Thank and a you. pleasure. And I'm so happy to know that Rowan and Theo are both doing well and that you all are are doing okay in lockdown and covid yeah, and
1: yeah. and
0: the pandemic life
1: and um
0: plugging along and doing well
1: yes yeah yeah I, I mean i think i think we're all just a little bit in survival mode aren't we but i can see the end i can see the end now i can see the end of the time so i think it's just
0: That's good. And you know, and I love that you kind of have this shift in and kind of in hope in a vision for for Rowan's future. um, Now that he can walk and can talk, you know, has some words and, and can be mobile, because it does open up a whole new level
1: of world, really. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, you know, all you really want for your child, as well as being happy is for them to be able to be independent. Um, so for Theo it's a given I know he will one day leave home and I know one day he will have a job and I just hope that it's a job that he likes and I hope he finds a partner that he loves Um, but for Rowan those things aren't a given Um, so yeah seeing those small milestones of being able to talk and being able to move it it just opens those doors a little bit more makes me more optimistic for the future yeah for sure
0: Well, thank you again for joining us. It was a pleasure. And I look forward to seeing what else you all
1: have going on in the future. Yeah, thank you so much for your time. It's been lovely to see you.
0: Thank you for being here. If you want to learn more about how to take care of yourself and find healing, you can follow me on social media, Lara Kitts on Facebook, and at lara.kits on Instagram. And that is spelled L-A-R-A-K-I-T-T-S. I also have an email list that's worth subscribing to. You can sign up for that and find all my intuitive and healing offers at larakits.com. Until next time, take care of yourself.